This episode is so fun. Soraya talks about her travel adventures. She talks about going through leaving home for the first time and learning to live on her own. She talks about going through a tough breakup and how she found her self-worth. And then at the end, she shares her story of some health scares and some seizures that she had just a couple years ago and what she's learned about it since. So I've been wanting to interview for interview you for a while and I feel like you have not even been home for like a day. So where have you been? What have you been doing this summer? <laughs> <laughs> I know I've been so MIA. Um, so I ended up graduating high school early. So I ended up being finished with high school in like at the end of February. And after I graduated, like a day after, I flew to New York City and was living with my uncle there and my aunt in Manhattan, <laughs> which was crazy. And it was it was a crazy experience. Just like it just felt so stark. I mean, I, all of a sudden, like the day before I was in high school classes and then the next day I'm on a plane all by myself. Like I've said goodbye to my family. I'm sad, but excited, but just like nervous about this life I'm starting on my own. Um, and so I was in New York for about two, two and a half months almost, um, just working there actually. What were you doing? What, what was your job? Okay, this is gonna sound crazy, um, but my aunt has a best friend who works with antiquities. Like her boss collects um, these antiquities and he wanted to document them. So they needed someone to take pictures of these 4,000 year old Babylonian tablets and edit them enough uh, for a translator to be able to read them. <laughs> Wait, that sounds like really hard. It was. It, at first, it was It was a pretty big learning curve, honestly. And I felt anxious about it because I was working on, like, Fifth Avenue in New York City. And I was walking to work. And I was right under the Empire State Building. And I felt so young to be doing this. And I felt this imposter syndrome, you know, all the time. I ended up being able to learn a ton about photography and picture editing. And I found that super useful. Um, especially as I'm going into college that I've been able to learn these tools like in Adobe Workshop and Lightroom. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really hard at the beginning. I remember taking the pictures and I just, I would edit, I would spend forever editing one picture and I just did not feel like I could turn it in to my boss. He was really, really patient with me and taught me a lot. And so it, it ended up being a really awesome job. So you worked like a nine to five and then you had the rest of the time to just like hang out and explore? Yes. Yeah. So I usually ended around like 530 and then I would go to the gym at Columbia, which felt fun because I hadn't been going to a college campus yet. Like I had had a college. That was kind of my first college experience was walking around Columbia University and going into their gym and just working out with all the college kids. I felt so old. <laughs> Um, does it make you want to go back? Like, do you want to live in New York or did you like get your fill and you're good? So I love New York and I love New York for a lot of different reasons, but I definitely am a mountain girl. It is, it's hard for me to, to be in a city for a long time. And I know a lot of people have told this to me too, for the people who live there, that the city can feel very overwhelming and very stimulating because you walk outside and you are meeting a million people and there's a million people around you and they're from 
all these different backgrounds and you see such extreme poverty and you see such extreme wealth that it can be very over overstimulating. And so I definitely needed those times alone to just sit in my uncle's apartment and just kind of like decompress it all. I don't know if I could ever see myself living in New York just because it is so intense. But it is really fun to be there for like a short amount of time. And it and it was fun to live with my uncle and my aunt. They they were so kind to take me in with open arms and just kind of like help me with my first experience living away from home. What was some of your favorite stuff that you did in New York, like aside from work? Oh my gosh, this was one of the coolest experiences ever. So my aunt's friend worked for Hamilton and we were walking around Times Square just eating dinner and and then we were going to go visit her name is Lisa and she's just my favorite human ever but we ended up going to visit her at Hamilton and they surprised me with these tickets and we had like almost front row seats to Hamilton and I I seriously when they showed me the tickets like I started cheering up it was awesome because all of my uncle's friends and my aunt's friends, they automatically became my friends too. And I learned so much from them. And they all have these amazing jobs and they've all come from super different backgrounds of life that, you know, their life advice was really helpful to me as I, you know, kind of stepped out on my own. Was it ever, was it ever lonely that like, were they like the only friends you had? Was there anyone like your age that you felt close to? Um, not really. I did meet a few people who were um, still in high school. They were seniors, just like I had been. And they lived in New Jersey. And so I only hung out with them a couple of times. But I was mostly with people who were 40 to 50 years old. And I loved it. It was so fun. Did you have to convince your parents to let you go? Or was it like a mutual thing? Like, how did that decision play out? I love my parents for this. They have always been so accepting of any of my dreams and they do whatever they can to make them possible. And it just, it like, I feel very overwhelmed with love from them because everything I've chosen to do um, this past year, they have done everything they can to support me in it. And I that was really hard for me to like hug my my family goodbye and get on that plane just because I do I do feel FOMO when it comes to my family like I don't want to miss out on the big things you know and my sister had just had her baby and I I was feeling a ton of FOMO but it was it was so good for me to have that experience leaving and I just felt so much love back home that it was really easy to be you know following my dreams. So you were there for two and a half months, then you came back home, or what was your next adventure? So I wanted to come back home a little bit early. I came home like a week early um, to surprise my mom, which was super fun. I, I like lied to her that I was going to a Broadway show, and then I FaceTimed her and pretended like I had to show her something really cool, and it was our house, and it was really fun. <laughs> I ended up being able to surprise her, and then I spent about a week at home just preparing to move to Moab, where I had just gotten a job as a river raft guide. That was a big step too, was it was hard to be at home and then to leave again as soon as I did. I remember that week was really hard for me. I would wake up and I was missing New York and those experiences and I was already missing my family and I was anxious about the river and it was it was a long week, but <laughs> I ended up 
having a week at home and then I moved down to Moab. And that was like always the plan or did you come home and felt like what's next? Moab and the river was the reason I graduated early. I I remember when I was little, we would do these big whitewater rafting, you know, trips. I was always so anxious about them. And I still remember my guides to this day and how helpful they were in like making this adventure like possible for me and making me less anxious about that. And so I always wanted to be a guide growing up. We were looking into it my senior year and found out that all the training would be in May or April. So that is when I decided that I would graduate early. And when I got this job, I got it with Worldwide River Expeditions. Uh, We found out that the training wasn't until May. So I graduated in February and had that gap um, between February and May. And that's when we decided that I would go to New York. What is that like being a river guide? Being a river guide was one of the greatest things I've ever done. I love the river, number one. I've grown this this huge love for that Colorado River. And it's really interesting because doing that type of work instills this confidence in you that you never expected to have. Like suddenly I could guide these these big rapids, this giant water, and it was intimidating and scary. But after you get done doing it, you're like, oh my gosh, I just did that. It did, it instilled this confidence in me that has been super helpful for me throughout this summer and going into school right now. It was really fun because we catered to youth groups. So we would be on these three-day trips with youth from all over the state or Arizona. I learned so much from the youth. I loved that. You're on the boat with them and you're out there all day and you end up camping with them that night too. So we're out there for three days and you get to know these youth so well. And it was kind of crazy because some of them were my age. I remember being really intimidated by that at first. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm their guide and they're 18 and about to leave on a mission. And I was always nervous to tell them, but everyone was really nice about it. You find out that every single person on that boat has just this amazing life story and they're all out here just trying their best and they all have this beautiful light about them and these strong testimonies and my very favorite thing to do on the nights at the river was to go to these testimony meetings and hear the youth just you know pour their their hearts out it was just really inspiring and it grew me in ways that I never thought I would grow. Did, is that what you were like hoping for in doing it? Or was that just like a bonus that you didn't realize would happen? It was honestly a bonus that I didn't realize would happen. I had applied to a few other companies and I'd gotten a few job offers. But what we were praying for was this company. I was praying that this company would get back to me and offer me a job. And And when that happened, I was just so excited because I knew that that was their goal was to, you know, strengthen these youth on these outdoor adventures and strengthen their testimonies. So it honestly was I wasn't expecting to grow as much spiritually. But this summer, I feel like. I'm closer to my Heavenly Father than I ever have been. Did like some of your family come and visit you or was that like a separate type of thing? Oh, yeah. No, that was so fun. I actually had Liza's family come and they took a they took a little trip with us. 
And then my family ended up coming down in July. And that was just fun because it was something I was growing confidence in. And being able to show that to the people I love was a really special and fun experience. Is that something that you'll want to like do in the future? Or was this kind of like the only time in your life you'd be able to do it? Honestly, that's that's kind of my, my plan is either this ne- next, next coming summer, I might want to go to the Salmon River and guide there or the snake or there's even some in like glacier national park i would love to go back to moab too i just i've just grown this really strong love to for being out there on the river and it's fun to just live outside for a week and for weeks on end i mean all summer does this translate to like what you want to major in like what are you going to school for i don't really know yet (laughs) exactly I'm kind of on the fence between psychology and um, special education. But I am taking a class in an outdoor leadership. That might be like my passion is doing some sort of outdoor leadership type of deal. But I'm not really entirely sure yet. What other lessons do you feel like you learned specifically going through these hard adventures? One of them I learned, like another lesson I've learned is to just make like heavenly father a part of your like every single part of your day i had a really amazing friend on the river and i remember one night we were talking she's like yeah i mean when i am about to go to bed i just talk to the stars and i just talk to god and i was like that is amazing i have never tried that before she's like yeah i tell him everything about my day i tell him what i was frustrated with and I ask him for help on what I like on how I want to be better tomorrow. And so I tried it that night and I just talked to the stars and it was incredible. I remember just this feeling of being understood. And so even when you're frustrated with how you guided that day or if you didn't hit part of the rapid that you wanted to, I would tell Heavenly Father about it and it really like elevated my days just knowing that someone was listening interesting it's so cool to hear that you had such like different I mean all good experiences but such different experiences going from like the concrete jungle to like no nature with no nature to just like not a building in sight and just to be able to feel that I bet that was just so powerful to feel the contrast and just like the silence oh it's so true I remember it was such a shock like the first week of training, I had just gotten back from New York and all of a sudden we're on the river all day, every day. And I just remember not knowing how to adjust very well, but it comes easily as you get into it. But <laughs> It was kind of scary at first. Someone like you, like what's on your bucket list for your life? I was actually able to cross off a few things while I was in Moab. Like being a guide was always on my bucket list. And then I went skydiving one time in Moab and That was incredible. I don't know. I have kind of a big bucket list. My next adventure, I would love to spend it outside the country somewhere. I would love to go, like, maybe next summer. It would be fun to get a license, um, a guide license, where you could, you know, guide on the Amazon or in Africa or Brazil or I don't know. (laughs) Do you have, like, friends that share that same love or have you just had to kind of like get new friends or do you feel like you're kind of in between like where are you with friends when I left high school um Liza had moved here like my senior year and it was so hard to leave her because we you know we've just been best friends our whole lives 
So when I went to New York, oh, that was so hard. I was leaving my best friend and I had a super close friend, another super close friend here too. And that was just hard to leave them. And I felt super homesick for them while I was in New York and would call them all the time (laughs) just to like tell them about my day and all the experiences I've been having. And while I was in New York, I was mostly just hanging out with my, my uncle and his friends. And then in Moab, you know, I was, I was surrounded by all these young adults again. And and that had kind of, that kind of threw me off a little bit because I had been hanging out with people a lot older than me. So I was suddenly with people who were like home from missions and they were going to college and they already had a few years under their belt and they really did become like siblings to me. I mean, you're spending hours and hours a week with them and you're outside and and it's hot. It's like 115 degrees and you really get to know a person when you're like cooking dinner in 115 degree weather. So I did make like some of the closest friends I've ever had on on the river and And now I'm going to SUU this fall, and Liza and my other best friend from Logan, they are down in Cedar with me. So that's been super fun to have them down back. Like, we got the gang back together, you know. (laughs) To my understanding, you were dating someone a year ago, and then he left on a mission, and your plan was to just write. And then what happened, and where are you at now? So, yeah, he left last summer. Our plan was just for me to wait for him, you know, we'd get back and ultimately see where things were. And, you know, ultimately the plan was to to get married. (laughs) And yeah, (laughs) it's, life is kind of crazy. And that's what I'm learning in the past year is everything changes. In some ways, they change in ways I don't want to. In other ways, they change in ways that like have helped me grow and be a better person. What ended up happening is we just kind of, he was in India and then um, got transferred to the U.S. because the Indian government has been cutting visas short for like Christian missionaries. You know, like without going into too much detail, you know, he, things just kind of ended and it was, it was tough. (laughs) It's interesting because I never expected to like go through that I think that it's just really helped me accept like the healing that Christ has to offer and I wouldn't trade any of that for the world it's been a whole process and we are still like best friends which I love but you know I don't think like missions are designed to have a girlfriend (laughs) You know, we, we were actually talking about this on his P-Day. We were, we both just were not expecting, like, any any of this to happen the way that things go down, like, like, the way that things went down. It's just, it's crazy what life can throw at you. It is very comforting, and I think it's comforting for a lot of people in our faith that, you know, we have that access to a loving Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ who you know, they are the master healers and turning to them has been a lifesaver for me. In what ways do you feel like you've grown closer to Heavenly Father and Jesus through such a heartbreak? So at first when he left, I remember I was like, like, oh my gosh, this is such a hard sacrifice. And, you know, because he was my best friend and, and I remember we were both feeling that. 
really strongly like we were both like this is just a huge sacrifice for to do long distance for two years you know not being able to talk and you know you you can really only talk over email and that's hard like emailing is not it (laughs) I remember just thinking that that was just like the hardest sacrifice and it was kind of hard for me at first to feel like God was in the picture because I kind of felt like maybe I wasn't doing enough to be good enough to like have a missionary out there. Like he was out there serving 24 seven. And like, I hadn't even gone, I hadn't even read through like the whole book of Mormon at that point, you know, I had this kind of like self-worth crisis and it kind of went on that way for like the majority of that year that I was waiting and I looked toward this missionary for a lot of validation and that was hard because he is giving the Lord this two years and it's hard to to only talk on P days and so I hadn't really found like my self-worth through Christ once you know things had ended and we decided that that was ultimately what was going to be best turning to Christ and telling him that my heart was just broken. It is amazing the people he will put in your life and the circumstances that he will bring to you. It is amazing to see like what God will do for you when you are heartbroken. Obviously we don't know like we don't need to know like what things like went down but I just I just know that like with any breakup you wonder if there's something wrong with you or if future relationships will go that same direction so like how how do you like recover from that to be able to move forward you know I really credit this to the spirit but I remember one day I was sitting there and I was like oh my gosh like I just need to talk to him and I just decided then and there that we are still gonna be best friends that's kind of my nature like I'm I hate losing friends I will just grasp onto people and hold tight. (laughs) And I don't know if that's like the best for everyone, right? What I've learned too is that God knows us so well. You know, he knows every part of us. And he knows that I hate losing friends. And I hate feeling like that's just the end of the road, you know? So where are you at now with like, you've been so busy. I can't imagine you've been able to go on dates. But like, are you ready for that? Have you been going on dates? Or do you still need like just time to individually heal? I, I've been on a few, like just a a couple random dates. I've kind of decided that I'm still so young (laughs) that, you know, I might as well just kind of focus on school, my next, like upcoming adventures and what I want to do and just fulfilling that for me, because I think my whole life I've been anxious about like having someone in the future. And now I kind of feel this like, this need to just be there for myself and grow with myself. Okay, I just wanted to jump on because since recording this, Soraya actually got her mission call to Texas in Spanish speaking. So that is her next adventure. So excited for her. Okay, back to the episode. How has like your family been supportive through this experience and this heartbreak? Both his family and my family have just been incredible. You know, it's it's as much as a heartbreak for him too and i think having both families recognize that it's it's just such a blessing his mom is like seriously one of my very best friends we text daily still 
just being able to call any of my sisters or my mom and just like cry and sit there and just like even if I'm not saying a word like they just listen to me cry and just having them there has been so amazing and again with with Liza like I will just sit there and I will just cry and they just listen and then we figure it out together but I hope that I am that kind of person that someone can just come to me and cry and know that like they don't have to say a word to me and they and I'll just sit there and cry with them some of like the best moments I've ever had with my family is just those vulnerable moments where you're like I just need to cry and I just need you to sit here and cry with me is it something that's like hard for you to talk about with people or like if they ask is it like embarrassing at all or what are your feelings when people ask you about it honestly I love I feel like I'm a very open person and people can ask me anything and I will just tell them and I think it's kind of a a blessing and a curse I love being open with people because I love when people are open with me so it's never been anything that's like I feel like I want to keep a secret you know some days are harder than others to talk about it but just with just like with the fact that we're still amazing friends that has been like a super huge part of the healing so it's been a lot easier for me to to talk to people especially people who have missionaries leaving yeah like what advice do you give people who are in the same boat that you were in a year ago to just stay so close with heavenly father that is something i wish i had learned sooner i wish i had told Heavenly Father more about what was going on in my life. And some days I needed I needed him and I wasn't reaching out. My advice to people who have or like are going through this or like have a missionary out is just like talk to Heavenly Father about everything. Tell him about your lonely days. Tell him about the times where you had no one to talk to but you needed someone and and it's amazing because, you know, he is that person to talk to. And I really wish I'd learned that sooner. I I am so excited to hear this story because I actually don't know, like, the outcome. But I remember, was it two years ago? I don't remember. But you started having these seizures. And then what happened? Yeah, it was about two, almost three years ago at this point. Um, I was sitting in a firehouse pizza with my family. I had kind of been having this weird heart stuff. It was, it wasn't like anything too bad. I remember I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, like the world starts going super fuzzy. <laughs> and I kind of look at my mom and I was like, I don't know what's going on. And so we, we get me out to the car and I'm kind of delusional. And then I start having this like seizure episode. I mean, I don't remember a ton from the episodes themselves just because, you know, your brain is running a marathon at that point, you know, it's like telling your body to do so many things that your body is not ready to do. My mom got me home and I was still kind of in and out of it. We got my neighbor and my my neighbor and my dad gave me a blessing and, and I stopped having this episode. We were pretty horrified. <laughs> we were, I, I remember feeling so alone. Like what just happened? What do I do? So we went through this kind of trial of doctors and, you know, clinics. And it was weird because my arm would not stop, like, flinching. I had this muscle in my arm that would not stop moving and, like, convulsing. 
and it would do it like 24 seven nonstop. So we were just doing test after test and I was doing CAT scans and uh, epilepsy like tests and nothing was being like, I was not getting a diagnosis for anything. And this was something so interesting to me is I remember just sitting in the car on the way to Salt Lake for one of my appointments. And I was like, can this please be epilepsy so that I know that there's like a medication that will stop this? Because I felt like I was going crazy. The brain is such a remarkable thing. And we actually don't know a ton about it. On the way down to this appointment, I was just like, can I please, can they just tell me it's epilepsy so we can get me on some medication so that I can start living life again? Because I was missing so much school. It felt like my life was completely taken over by this thing that I couldn't control. And I was so depressed and I was so far from God. I was blaming him for for what was going on. And that was so hard. I remember we uh, they sent me home with this this test and they, they put all these weird wires on my head and they monitored me for like three days, like in the night and in the day. And I just kind of had to sit in bed and like I had this camera by my bed and they were watching me or when I would have these episodes at night and they would just they would flag any abnormal things in my brain if that makes sense after that test they just told me that this was a neurological disorder I remember being really sad about that because I didn't have a specific medication that I could take to get rid of this I remember feeling like I was sent away with like nothing. So they, they told me it was a neurological disorder and my brain was sending signals to my body that would just make my body, you know, freak out. Can you explain to us like what it looked like from your parents' point of view or your friends' point of view, whoever's with you when they see you have a seizure? Like how does it start? How long does it last? What is a seizure like? My sight would just go very blurry and my head would start to pound. And it was such a specific headache that I knew exactly what was coming. And so I would have like about 15 minutes before my body was just like done. And then all of a sudden I'm in an episode. I wouldn't be able to talk very well. I couldn't think very well. And what's interesting about it is after these episodes, sometimes even until the next day, I wouldn't be able to talk. And I remember it was the most frustrating thing because I could think so clearly, but I could not tell anybody what I was thinking. And I couldn't like articulate any words <laughs> for me to like tell them that I'm okay but I can't speak it was probably like a couple of minutes where I would be like be where I was being held and I was like shaking uncontrollably and then afterwards I was so like disoriented and I couldn't talk and I was so sad after these episodes my mom would still be there holding me as I just like bawled and I was having these episodes, you know, like twice a week for a long time. It was just to the point where I was so sad and I was so done that I didn't really care anymore about like being fixed. So I ended up going to New York that summer. I have an aunt there who is like a retired doctor. And I remember she said something really interesting. She said that this, like, bodies can, bodies are so interesting. We aren't exactly entirely sure about this. So, I mean, I don't want, like, 
people to believe this for sure because we don't actually know if this is true but she thinks that it was kind of like a long-haul COVID effect because COVID did weird things to our body there's not a ton of research on how COVID would affect someone in the long run she said that this is common for a virus to be gone and then your body still sends signals to attack that virus and it like it's there's nothing for it to attack so your body just kind of freaks out and then you go into like a like a shock like that. So we weren't entirely sure if that was what was going on. And I, I was dealing with them in New York and I was 16 years old at the time. And when my aunt said that, I was like, I felt this like hope that this could be fixed and that my body won't do this forever. So I got home and things were honestly looking up. They weren't happening as frequently throughout my junior year. I started taking an antidepressant that was just like would just calm me and I had been like experimenting with like a few different medications I don't know the exact word for this but they would like basically just like calm my brain down from these mixed signals that it was sending I ended up trying this medication I am not kidding this medication was just like a miracle because I haven't had one of these episodes you know at first we were we were thinking it was because of this medication or maybe my body was just like growing out of this firing missed signals it felt like the most miraculous healing that like I'd ever seen I remember feeling this guilt because I had pushed God so far away from me during this time I don't deserve this you know I I haven't been close to him like I used to and I've been blaming him and I was angry that I had to kind of put my life on hold for this this hard thing (laughs) you know there were times there's still times when I'll get twitchy we where like my body kind of does weird things like my face will twitch or (laughs) my arm will twitch like I've really learned to live with it and adapt to it that it honestly doesn't bother me anymore so yeah, my one of my questions is like, how does this affect your daily life now? Other than taking the medication, does it affect you? I mean, you have little twitches here and there, but like, do you feel like it defines who you are still? I'm really thankful for the experience. I know that I can go through that. It's kind of a a powerful thing in my mind to know that I can I can do that, and I and I've done it, and I can go through that those hard things and be fine. Although it doesn't affect me daily like it used to, I am so thankful that I can share this experience with other people because the brain is so weird (laughs) and the body is so weird that like if someone's going through something similar and there's not a diagnosis or you can't fit this thing into a box, they know that they're not alone in that. Like honestly, I don't even know if a ton of people from the river know about it it you know if it casually comes up like if someone's dealing with something hard then I can be like then I'll you know I'll talk about it but it's not really something I think about too much which I also I'm really thankful for too (laughs) when I was going through it I was like I do not want people to see me and the first thing they're like oh my gosh like she's sick she can't do this right now because she is going through this and this isn't like this doesn't have to define me i've been able to fulfill so many of my dreams thanks to to him and and his healing 
Tell me about like how you've been able to cope, especially with the song that you wrote. Oh my gosh, yes, the song. <laughs> so my mom and I wrote that song together and that song is, is so special to me. She would write those lyrics at the end of like a long night after we had gone through gone through it, you know. <laughs> she would sit there and oh no, how do I get emotional about this? Um, but yeah, she would just sit there and and write it all out. My favorite line is like blindsided by a twist of fate because I think that happens to everyone. Sometimes life really blindsides us. We are stuck in moments where we're like, well, that was, we never expected that to happen. This song was, was such like a, a beacon of hope to us because we knew that no matter what, like through all of this, that like we had each other, which was so powerful because I can't imagine watching my child go through that. And I, I don't have kids or <laughs> I won't for a while, but I don't know what it would be like from a mother or father perspective. And even if I had to watch my siblings go through that, like that would be hard. You, so it sounds like you wrote it back like a little while ago. So what made you finally decide that like you wanted to share it with people? It was kind of nice because everything just kind of worked out. Like we found someone who records. And so we recorded a few songs that we've written together and we ultimately decided that the world needed to hear these these lyrics. My mom is amazing at writing. Even if it helps one person with a hard day, just knowing that they're not alone, you know, our our goal is reached. <laughs> so it was it was a really hard time for us that we were going through, but looking back on it, you know, we found strength through that. And so being able to share the song and that was just like a little part of our story it has been like really, really awesome. The people who know what's been going on have just been amazing and so supportive of it. Everyone go look up Soraya's song, The Way Back to You by Soraya Falls on all major platforms. It's so inspiring. Thank you so much, Soraya. Soraya.